This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is going to be Random Thoughts number nine. Now, for right now, I'm just going to say this random thought is thoughts is literally going to be random thoughts. If I if I happen to hit on a particular theme while I'm doing this episode, um, I will go ahead and put it in the show notes. But for right now, these are just random thoughts. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. So, I just, I really, I really didn't have anything on tap when I did this, when I decided to do this random thought. I just want to talk about some things that have been on my mind or on that are on my mind and see where that leads. So my last episode I talked about part of being a true Catholic is carrying your cross. And although I just talked about it tangentially or uh, not in detail, it occurred to me that something that Father Bernard Utley mentioned in his Spiritual Life podcast which is everybody wants a nice, soft, pillowy cross. Nobody wants the hard, heavy, splintery cross that our Lord had to carry over, over a great distance. I'm sure somewhere on the internet that there's information about how far he had to walk from Pilate's Palace to Calvary. But honestly, I don't think enough people, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about even the misled heretics, have a true understanding of the things our Lord suffered so that we would all get a, a chance at salvation. He was whipped with Roman whips. As I said in the previous episodes, the Romans took their barbarity to new limits. And the reason I'm saying this is, it is a matter of historical record that on some of the whips that Romans used to use to scourge people, It had bits of metal and broken glass embedded into the leather itself. 
And as I said in a previous episode, when St. Paul talks about getting scourged 40 times minus one, because in that era, if you were scourged 40 times, you it generally killed you. So he was, St. Paul himself, for the sake of Christ, was scourged 39 times because the authorities, be they Jewish or Roman, did not want to kill him. But our Lord was whipped, scourged, with these whips. According to the vision of St. Bridget, and for those of you who don't know who St. Bridget is, just Google the, the revelations of St. Bridget. She talked about how our Lord was scourged 5,000 times. In addition to this, he was crowned with thorns. Not the nice, you know, little thorns that we see on rose bushes but of a particular type of thorn that grew in Judea at that time, which I believe the thorns were anywhere between three to six inches long. And he was crowned with that. He was spit, he was smacked around by the Jewish temple guards. And when I say smacked, I don't mean, you know, a little face slap. I mean, he was punched and, and he was literally like slapped by a man. Okay. These, these were not little, you know, the kind of smack you might give your kid if he misbehaves. The, these, these were rough men. And he had to walk however long that he had to walk to Calvary or Golgotha. I actually like Golgotha better because Golgotha, I believe in Hebrew, means place of the skull. Because that's literally where he was going, to his death. And all the while, remember now, he'd been scourged, whipped 5,000 times. His whole body was one big wound. That's why I have a particular distaste for some of the Catholic crucifixes that show our hand, our Lord's hands and feet bleeding a little bit. You know, got a little trickle of blood there. And there's a little small slice on his side there. I dislike that. And that's part of modern day society and culture. If we showed Christ how he actually looked, that'd be too real for most people. Oh, can't, can't have reality intruding in my nice sanitized version of his passion. And as I said in a previous episode, I think that's why a lot of people freaked out about the passion. 
You know, we're we're a culture that we can watch a mass maniac do unspeakable tortures to uh, more or less innocent people, or hack or slash or do whatever atrocities, physical atrocities to an innocent victim. But when we see a real live event in real life time with real live brutality, oh, that's too violent. That's too, oh, I can't take my little Jimmy to the passion. Well, first of all, smarten up. You don't take your four-year-old to the, the discouraging of Jesus Christ. Okay? But secondly, the martyrs, and I'm talking about the true Catholic martyrs, went through um, martyrdoms as not, maybe not quite as extreme as what our Lord went through, but were you know, because we got to remember that the Romans were their executioners. So the Romans were pretty inventive when, when they wanted to make an example out of somebody who they considered a threat to their state. And not that this should need to be said, but apparently it does. I don't think that our satanic Masonic overlords are lacking in any less imagination when it comes to inflicting horrendous crap on people that run afoul of their nefarious schemes. But, um, the larger question that I'm asking here is. How, how in the world can we claim, number one, to love, to love Christ, and number two, to do his will, when we want things on our own terms? Now, to anybody who's listened to the Father Bernard Utley series on, sound, um, on Norvis Ordo Watch, um, he does his father's will. And by the way, he's, he's not pulling that out of his butt. In the gospel, according to St. John, he talks, and I'm sure there, he said something similar in the other three gospels, but he always talks about doing his father's will. There's the famous Garden of Gethsemane part in the gospels where he is so terrified by what he's about to go through. And you got to remember he's God too. So in addition to knowing the grief of his beloved mother, the terror of his disciples and his apostles, the grief of his followers, he also knows that the majority of humankind, despite what he went through, are going to turn their backs on him and go their own way. This vision was so bad for him that he literally sweated blood. But 
did he say to his, his father in heaven, um, I'm, I'm sorry, father, this is too much. I, I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't handle it. Um, I, I can't do this. He said, not my will be done, but your will be done. If it be your will, let this chalice pass from me. Obviously, it was not his father's will that that chalice should pass. Because if Jesus Christ had been an average human being, he absolutely would have refused if he had seen what Jesus had seen. Why would you die for a bunch of people who you knew in advance were going to reject you? Why would you do that? You wouldn't. If you're a regular human being, of course. And maybe a saint would do it. But I guarantee you, you're every, especially your average human being of today, there's no way. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna go there and what? Nah, 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 nah. I ain't doing that. And there are two reactions to people who consider themselves true followers of Jesus Christ. And. I'm going to remind you that he did not say, he did not say, oh, coast through life. I'll, I'll cover all the bumps and bruises. You have an easy time of it. And as a reward, you get to go to heaven, buddy. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Whatever crosses that may be with each individual, it's a different cross or crosses, I should say. But there's two reactions. The first one is self-pity. And I'm guilty of this. I have been guilty of this. Oh, you know, my life really sucked. I'm tired of all the pain. You know, I'm just, you know, um, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to do the bare minimum because, man, I've, I've suffered enough. The second one is presumption. Oh, well, God loves me. He wouldn't ask me to suffer for him the way he suffered for me because he loves me and he knows me and he wants me to be happy. So I'm not, I'm not going to you know, go out of my way to show my love and gratitude and, and try to um, ask for his help to to carry um, my burdens. I want him to ease my burdens, not give me more. And by the way, this does need to be said. If you're sincere and devout about your intentions toward our Lord and his blessed mother, you're going to suffer if you're sincere and honest in your intentions. Because if you're sincere and honest in your intentions, you know. It may start out at first as gratitude. It may start out as first as gratitude. 
I really don't want to do this, but I'm so grateful for what our Lord and his mother did for me. I'm going to do this anyway. Then it may move into um, a sense of honor. You know, Jesus and his mother have done so much for me. How could I expect not to suffer while on earth? And if you really, if you become a saint, you will get to the point where you'll do it out of disinterested love. Meaning that regardless, you love Jesus and his blessed mother so much, you, you will do whatever it takes to share their sufferings. Because let's not forget, now I know you Protestants you know, you don't want to hear this. I'm a, I'm a real Catholic, so I don't care. Um, our, our blessed mother's seven sorrows. She, she suffered before her son was crucified. She definitely suffered when he was getting crucified. And she suffered afterwards. So she didn't indeed share in her son's sufferings. And by the way, for you, uh, for you, uh, Feniites out there, or you, uh, um, demon brother alkalites out there, she is co-redemptrix, and that's why. Because she did share in her son's sufferings. So, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. But my, but they're, 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 and by the way, these are all my observations. I'm not claiming to be infallible. These are just my observations. Take them for what it's worth. But how can you call yourself a, a friend of Jesus, his brother? How can you say you love him? How can you say that um, you'll do his will and then not do it? Now, as a ray of sunshine, I'm going to quote the parable. I believe it's in the gospel according to St. Matthew of the, um, I, I, don't, I don't, no, it wasn't a parable. He was talking to some Pharisees and to he used this metaphor. He said, there was a man with two sons. The father asked them to do something. One son said, I will do it and did nothing. The other son said, I'm not going to do it, but later changed his mind and did it. Who did the will of the father? And the Pharisees said, well, the second one, of course. So, just because you may not want to do this now does not mean you can't change your mind later, at a later time. But it just, um, it makes me cringe to quote an internet expression. When I hear all the big talk from all the 
keyboard, keyboard uh, true Catholics out there, you know, who out of one side of their mouth say how much they love God and hit the Blessed Mother and then turn around and don't act any differently from the non-believers in society. It just makes me cringe. It's cringe. And, you know, you can, you can say and think whatever you want to about me. I'm not worried. But if I'm cringing, imagine what our Lord and his mother must be doing in heaven when they see you doing things. And once again, it is up to us. It's our responsibility. But, um, part of, part of this, this spiritual illness that's in today's society and culture is we want it our way. Well, Lord, I, I don't want to do it the way you want it to be done. I'd rather do it my way. Well, is, is that really being a, uh, imagine, imagine, just imagine if Peter, uh, St. Peter, the first Pope was getting martyred in Rome. If he had recanted, Despite what Jesus had done for him, if he'd recant and say, nah, I'm not doing this. I want to live. Or if when Jesus said to him and his brother Andrew, hey, follow me. If he had told Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm married. I've got kids. I'm making a good living as a fisherman. You know, you're, you're going to be asking me to go through a lot. And honestly, I don't really feel like I can make those sacrifices. Just imagine. Because at the end of the day, we are all, if we consider ourselves true Catholics, to follow Peter and the other saints' examples. That is the reason why St. Clement Pope, St. Clement I said, follow the saints as your examples. They are our models of how to be pious and devout. But Father Bernard Utley is absolutely right when he says, everybody wants the pillowy cross. Now, I'm going to make a disclaimer here. Am I going to say that I'm some model of sanctity and piety? I'd be a liar if I said yes. Because I'm fully aware of my own failings. And I thank the Lord and His Blessed Mother every day when every day and sometimes multiple times in the same day, I get shown what a failure I am. 
I really am. And I am well aware of that. But I tell you what I can say. I do the best I can. And at the end of the day, that's what God asks of us and his blessed mother, that we do the best we can. But part of, part of doing the best we can is we have to be our own hardest critics. We have to be our own hardest critics. That's part of um, taking ownership of yourself taking responsibility, is being your own hardest critic. And not being satisfied with just doing a partial job, but not, but doing everything that you can to whatever it is you're putting your mind to, that you're satisfied honestly now, honestly, not self-deceptively, Honestly satisfied with your um your efforts. And here's here's another thing too. If you're striving for piety and holiness in the spiritual life, you're never gonna be satisfied. If you have the right spiritual mindset, I'll say. I'll make that disclaimer. If you have the proper spiritual mindset, um, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be pressing forward. But like anything else, you take it day by day and you do the best you can. And you ask for the confidence, the hope, confidence, faith, and trust that our Lord and our Lady and the saints in heaven will give you the graces necessary for today. For today. Tomorrow is this whole new day, a whole new day with its own set of issues. That's one of the one of the things I've been fighting in my own spiritual life, I tend to either look forward or I tend to look backward. I do not stay in the here and now. And I'm, I'm well aware of it and I'm doing the best I can with that issue, but I recognize it. But, um, Life was life is not meant. Life is not meant to be easy. I'm not sure if I covered this in my previous episode about sufferings being necessary because I haven't listened to it. I've, I've given some of the episodes a listen just to see the overall tenor and quality of them, but not that particular one. So in case I haven't said that, said this in that episode, I'm going to say it now. The whole reason that our life is hard, the whole reason that we suffer, it's very simple. Now, it won't sink in unless you're practicing the spiritual life, or 
uh, God or our Blessed Mother gives you a singular grace. But the whole reason we suffer and we have pains and, and tribulations and sorrows is so that we do not become attached to living here on earth. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. Eternity is forever. So, however long we have on earth, and unfortunately, some people never see past, they don't even see life beyond the womb. <coughs> Abortion. But other, other infants get sick and die. Children get hit by cars. Children get killed in drive-bys. Teenagers die in drug overdoses. But in this lifetime, however long we have, I don't care if it's in the womb, and I don't care if you live to be 100, it's but a blink of an eye in the reality that is eternity. But the whole purpose for suffering is so that we do not become attached to being here. And the reason why the, the saints and the spiritual writers say that we should not become too attached to either our loved ones or for our creature comforts is that if we come attached to them, then once again, we won't want to go to heaven. We won't want to be with the saints and our Lord and his mother. We won't want to. What I what I am talking about, at least to the to the set of accountants in the audience, should not be surprising. And I'm sure there's some, not all, who are gonna think, yeah, well, no duh. <sighs> okay, well, are you living it? Are you living it? It's easy when I say something that may seem like a given. It's another thing altogether to actually live the principle. Um, I could... I, I could, uh, somebody could tell me about the seven deadly sins and how they affect our spiritual life. And because I'm familiar with the pre-Vatican II Council Catholic Catechism, I could say, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. But if I don't put into practice, you know, avoiding those deadly sins, then I'm nothing more than a um, 
than a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A LARPer, for lack of a better term. I'm live-action role-playing. I'm playing the part of a true Christian or true Catholic, but I'm not living it. So that's the thing about playing role-playing games. Um, I'll just take Dungeons & Dragons because that's what I played in high school. Yeah, I could sit at a table for however long me and my buddies sit around it and pretend to be a mighty knight slaying actual, you know, creatures, you know, dragons, goblins, hobgoblins. Yeah, I could pretend to do that. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's pretend. When I get up, when we split up and go our own separate ways for the night, we are the same people who we were when we started playing that role-playing game. We're the same people. So. Um. You know, let's, let's, let's not turn our, our faith into a live action role playing game. You know, I mean, it isn't as if St. James in his epistle didn't say, don't be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. It doesn't get any more basic than that. It really doesn't. And... You know, everything's got to be so much more epic than it really is. And what I'm talking about here is St. Therese of Lisieux, or as I call her, St. Therese of the Infant Jesus, which is her proper title. St. Therese of Lisieux is her Vatican II title. But she said, or in her spiritual writings, she she stressed the need of simplicity in our day-to-day spiritual lives. A lot of people like to get it twisted and think, well, if I if I go, if I fast for a week. And I do 50 rosaries in a weekend. And I pray uh, 30 times a day. And I read the entire New Testament cover to cover in a week. You know, I that's not what we're called to do. There have been saints who have actually said, you will not be judged by your mortifications or your heroic acts of sanctity when you die. You're going to be judged on how much you loved our Lord, his blessed mother, and your fellow human beings. Now, am I saying that we be quietists and we sit on our dead butt and do nothing and wait for God to do all the work? No. But what I am saying is, Anybody who's self-aware knows what they're capable of. 
If you know what you're capable of, do what you're capable of. And if Lord, if our Lord and his mother give you the graces, do more. And by the way, you take that for what it's worth too. You know, we, we make things more complicated than... I'm just going to say this. When people make things more complicated than they have to be, it's to accommodate themselves. It's to accommodate themselves. When I say that in the case... Well, just when I say that heretics, schismatics, and non-believers are practical atheists, if you're looking, if that rubs you the wrong way and you're looking for a reason to argue with that point, you're making it more complicated than it has to be to suit yourself. And at the end of the day, that's, that is what we as moderns suffer from the most. We, we suffer from the pride of Satan. I will not serve. He's, you know, I'm, it may have come out, be a line out of the book, but at the end of the day, when he rebelled against God, that's what he said. I will not serve. So if you have to make excuses or, you know, try to over-intellectualize, over it's to suit your own purposes. That's it. You can, you can rationalize it all you want to. You can, you can criticize me personally and say that I'm, you know, I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm talking, whatever. At the end of the day, you're just trying to serve yourself. And the other example I would use is the Vatican II sect. And I'm looking especially at the neo-traditionalists when I say this. You recognize the heirs and the heresy of Vatican II. And yet, you will twist yourselves into pretzels defending that heretical council and its heretical popes. Because at the end of the day, you want to serve yourself. And just like the last example, you can rationalize it you can rationalize it. You can put on your intellectual blinders all you want to. It does not change a thing. The choice is very simple. Either we serve God or we serve ourselves. And as I said in the previous episode, theology like transubstantiation, uh, the Trinity... Those are deep and heavy subjects. And they are complicated. 
But I guarantee that probably 98% of what the Catholic, the true Catholic Church, mind you, teaches is simple. You just have to be willing to, as they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, let go and let God. It's nice to know I got something out of it, even if I didn't like it. But it's true. There's nothing, there's nothing complicated. There's nothing complicated about our faith. The only there's nothing complicated, but it is difficult to practice. Because if you're serious and sincere about what you're doing, you got to say to yourself, go pound sand. I'm doing it God's way. And we as human beings, because we have corrupted wills, we don't want to go pound sand. We want it our way. Because that's who we are and that's what we do. Um. Not that I want to make this political. It's just proving a larger point. One of the podcasters I used to listen to on YouTube, he's one of my favorites. He's called Don the Plug. And he's a political commentator. And there's another political commentator on YouTube with a much larger audience named Tim Poole. And Tim Poole... Whenever he could not square the circle that was his quote-unquote moderatism would say, well, it's complicated. It's complicated. And Don the Pleb, and rightfully so, I might add, used to roast him mercilessly. Because if you have principles, if you are serious about your beliefs, be they political or spiritual, it's not complicated. There's right and there's wrong. There's right and there's wrong. Um, There's truth and there's untruth, even on a natural level. You know, and if you're having to cover your rear end by saying, well, it's complicated, it's complicated. You're not doing yourself justice and you're not doing, if you're a large podcaster, you're not doing your audience any favors either. So yes, Tim Pool deserves all the contempt and ridicule that got heaped upon him by other podcasters. Now, am I saying that Tim Pool's a bad guy? No, I think he's a very likable guy. But at the end of the day, wrong is wrong. You know, I'm, I'm sure that the individual Nazis and communists that worked the death camps in their private lives were what their neighbors considered decent citizens, even if they were unaware of what they were doing in those camps. But... At the end of the day, right is right is wrong is wrong. 
If you're putting people to death on a daily basis, you're evil. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care if you, how many charities you work for. I don't, I don't care if you, how, how often you hurt your, uh, help your neighbors. You're evil. You're killing people for a political cause and that in and of itself is wrong. And people want to, people want to, uh, atheists mostly, they want to sit there and say, well, what about all the wars of religion? When God's truth is on the line, speaking for myself personally, I will either kill or die for the truth, however it shakes out. That's worth dying for. On political ideology, which is Masonically influenced to begin with, you're just serving Satan's ends. You're, you're, you're serving Satan's ends, whether you want to recognize it or not. You're evil. Now, obviously, because I am Catholic, there are varying shades and degrees of evil, but evil at the end of the day is still evil. The punishment, like in natural law, will depend on the crime. But, you know, we, we want to dance around the truth. We, we, want, we want things to conform to the way we think, not to the way things actually are. And at the end of the day, and I don't care if it's natural and I, or spiritual, you're not God, you're His, His will be done. So, you know, you can, if, if, you're, if you're a secular person and you think that gender's fluid, oh, you can proclaim it to the housetops, you're wrong. If your spirit, um, if you, if you say you love God, but you don't, you don't want to love him in spirit and in truth, his truth, not yours, his, you're wrong. Now, as I said in my previous episode, um, the Kurgan said that Protestantism is se uh, secularized Christianity. I would add my own two cents to that particular thought. Protestantism is paying lip service to God while you're doing your own thing. Which, if you're paying lip service to God and His Blessed Mother and you're doing your own thing, then number, there, there are two things involved here. Number one, number one, you're treating God and Satan like abstractions. Number two, you don't love God. You love yourself. It's really that simple. You love yourself above all else. Self-sacrifice is what makes true Catholics true Catholics.
And once again, the mortifications, the um, the prayers, the devotions, all of that, at the end of the day, mean absolutely jack squat until you submit your will completely and utterly over to our Lord and his blessed mother. Nothing else is going to do. And for you braggarts out there on the internet who run around and brag about your quote-unquote heroic spiritual life, you're wrong. You're wrong. Um, and I, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, mostly about some, a certain segment of the said vacantists out there. You're wrong. Catholic, true Catholic spiritual teachings, what you do within the four walls of your house is between you and God. The world doesn't need to hear about it. They don't, you know, honestly, if you have to run around and brag about what a, what a righteous dude, what a righteous Catholic you are, you're not Catholic. Righteous Catholics keep their mouth shut. They do what they do. And that's it. They don't run around and brag about it. And honestly, you shouldn't need to brag about it. If you're doing God's will, the way he wants it done, people will see it. So you shouldn't have to say anything about it. I guess, I think I'm going to wrap up I guess what I'm going to say here is either you're serious or you're not serious. The culture and society at large, they're not serious. Now, don't get it twisted. The Masonic satanic overlords that run this world, they're very serious. They're very serious about what they're doing. And once again, you underestimate them at your own risk because they're serious. And I hope and pray that we don't have to find out until later rather than sooner to find out just how serious they are. But God's will be done. If you're serious, if you're serious, be serious. You know, Credibility isn't just a word. It's, it's a way of life. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who don't even know the meaning of the term credibility, more or less how to live it. If you're serious, you'll be credible. So anyway, I want to thank you for your time and your patience if you're still at this point for listening. 
And I hope and pray, I really do, that people get something out of this. This isn't a game, people. This is your eternity we're talking about. Until you get it through your head that eternity is not an abstraction, it's a reality. I hope and pray that you get out of that misapprehension. I really do. But I pray for everyone and I would like to see as many people get to heaven as human. uh, I'm sorry, get to heaven as, as much as possible. But at the end of the day, it, tar- it starts with taking responsibility for yourself and showing some initiative. You know, unless you're singularly graced by our Lord and his mother, you're going to have to make an attempt. That's part of being an adult. Not making excuses, taking the initiative, and let the chips fall where they may. So, thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.